Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Well, welcome to the podcast, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Wait, they already said that, though. <laughs> I have to take it back now. Do we say, that, that is right. That's It comes after the beginning of the music, but before we talk. They have Marika saying it, right? Yes. Okay. I think we still have her. This is Father Mike. And Father Mike Gull. Well, welcome to summer and Easter time. And <laughs> he is risen. Two, two more days of Easter time. <gasps> what did One they say? One more day of Easter time for me. Is it? We're celebrating the vigil on Wednesday night. So oh. we Byzantine Catholics still celebrate Ascension on Thursday. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, you know... Prudence, I guess. Why did there's pastoral reasons why we don't, right? Yeah, because Catholics are weak. No, Roman Catholics (laughs) are weak. Well, you also have a much stronger sense of mortal sin than we do. I mean, we still have, of course, the scripture uses the term deadly and non deadly sin, and we still have that in the Byzantine church, but it's traditionally, historically, there's the the mortal sin is not as well defined in the East. Like, what is deadly sin is not as well defined in the East. So, I think there's there's more of a pastoral motive for the Roman Catholic Church to say, you know, okay, if if, if we have, quote, days of obligation and it's mortal sin not to go, that's pretty heavy. You yeah. Know? Although the Roman Catholic Church still, of course, does have days of obligation yeah, on, on we Sundays. We do. Um, but I think, uh, is it just a, a ranking of the importance yeah. of the feast or something? It's, it okay. just depends on solemnity. And if it's close enough to the weekend, yeah. then often they'll kind of just collapse them into the same... Yeah. You know, Sunday celebration. But, yeah, I, I suppose it's something like that uh, scripture. Um, they, they they pile up burdens that are yeah. too hard that they cannot, uh, they, they don't help to carry or something. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I, I, I mean, I, I make fun of it and say, oh, we're weak yeah. and lazy and everything. But I think it's wise. You know, you know it's, it's, it's like helpful. Because our Byzantine Catholic Church in the U.S. is so small that it's actually really nice to have kind of a, a much larger apostolic Catholic church to, to, to say that we are different then because the Roman Catholic church can kind of be the norm. It can, it can meet people where they're at kind of, I say, well, okay, the typical American Catholic is this way. We're going to, we're going to bend a little bit to meet them where they're at in order to bring, in other words, to bring them in order to bring them closer to Christ. Whereas we in the East, because people can just walk down the street if they don't like us and go go to the Roman Catholic Church down the street, um, I think we can be much much more hardcore in a sense, if you will, and um, yeah, and challenge people that way because the if if they just crack and you know need to go somewhere else because it's too hard, there's a church right. So is it the same that. thing or, or like a similar? Um, Obligation? Do you call it holy days of obligation or something like that? Our, is it, is it it's up to the bishop. It's and... bishop to bishop. Okay. So, so uh, right now, our Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church in the U.S. does call them days of obligation. Yeah. So okay. the way I say it is, I'll say, you know, this is a day of obligation. If you cannot attend either a Byzantine Catholic or a Roman Catholic Eucharistic service, then you need to get a dispensation from your pastor. Um, which is rare. I mean, we do a vigil and, and the day of, you know, and then there's, you know, a million Roman Catholic masses a day. So it should be pretty easy, but there, there, there are people that ask for dispensation. And the way I put it is, you know, this, the celebration of this feast, our bishops have said is essential to an understanding and a practice of the life of faith. 
and and the working of God in the world. In other words, the feasts are important. The, the the yearly cycle is important to celebrate them, not just acknowledge them, know when they are, but actually to say, you know, participating with the rest of the body of Christ in the celebration of this feast is essential to a life of faith. And and our life of faith is what allows God to save us. So I, I like the idea of... of Kind of stating the immense importance of the celebration of these feasts, we just we just don't understand how how much sustenance we get from them, and, oh, and yeah. ha- how much how much objective grace is just poured into us. I mean, that that we do we go there and we become members of the body of Christ, and it's just you know people see it as such a burden. Quick story. Well, um, can I just comment? Yeah, no, on please, that? please. Because I just I I'm realizing how legalistic that I've been and. Some of the culture, you know, like the Catholic culture that I've, yeah. I've known, that's not a knock on my, you know, home parish or parents or anything like that. You know, it's just, um, just that idea of, oh, now they're going to require me to go again. It's like every, this is a relationship of love with Jesus. Yeah, you should want to celebrate as big as you can yeah. and in varied ways all the time. Yeah, you know, you should want to do that every day mm-hmm. and then be like happy that the yeah. church has everybody get together to celebrate certain feasts instead of like, oh, I, well, right. you know, am I keeping my calendar right so that I don't miss this and then feel guilty? And I mean, a- yeah, that's good too. It's like good to follow the rules, but um, just an invitation to our audience to see it differently. Just switch your perspective and see it like, well, yeah, this is what I should want to be doing all the time, and then I have to work. Right, faith needs, <laughs> faith needs to be personal, so it needs to be accepted for what it is. But when we are, when we're immature in the faith, when we don't see clearly with the eyes of faith, when we don't understand how important these things are, it is important for the church to be a mother and to, to really guide us and to say, "No, you're doing this," you know. And and I I fully believe that. Um, you know, I I I consider it like kind of breathing with the body of Christ, or or our heart pumping with the heart of God. Like, Ooh, I like that if if we analogy. are if we're breathing out of sync, or our heart is out of sync with the body of Christ, then then we just it, there's something wrong with us. I like that our we're we're fighting with ourselves, and we were created to be in the image and likeness of God. We were baptized into Jesus Christ. Like we we are members of the body of Christ, and and we need our bodies and ourselves need to beat with the body of Christ. And when the church through the bishops guide us to do these things, you know, we do it because if we don't, we're we're out of sync, and then we kind of wonder what's wrong, you know. And we, yeah. we 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 try to be like Adam and Eve. We try to grasp at the knowledge of the tree of good and evil and kind of take it and define it for ourselves. And it's like, yeah, we'll see how that ends up, you know. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, well. Come complaining to me, but I say don't complain. Like, go ahead, you're a anyway. pastor. Yeah, yeah. I had Wait, a. Uh, so can I ask why? Oh no, you were going to tell a story too. Yeah, I'll tell this real quick, and then I'll let you. Yeah, go on. yeah. It, it, it was what we were talking about earlier. But I met this. I met this guy, a Methodist guy. At a, I like have this dream of being like having my office at a co-working space someday because I love the idea of co-working spaces. And one just this is like up. a kind of a Google thing. Yeah, it's, it's like people it? it's from like, all different kind of jobs they they normally work from home or rent office space but you pretty much just you can rent space but you, they have these big common tables where you can sit and you get free coffee sometimes you get free beer you get kombucha you know all the modern ones and then they have like parties on the roof and it, it's it's a very like millennial uh, you know you have oh, community yeah. and work at well, the same sounds place cool. i like it. oh i love it too i have the i love the idea of it so and it keeps one, it light but you're in that environment where right. there's like everybody's working energy. and you inspire each other yeah it's, it's like a coffee shop 
But yeah, I was going to say that just yeah. sounds like a coffee shop. It is, but coffee shops. If you notice, a lot of the new coffee shops, like the third wave ones, the ones that are really fancy and clean and everything. Do you have a term for it? The third non, wave, <laughs> the non-bohemian no. ones. I'm way too immersed in this culture. Oh, I guess. you're so cool. But those uh, those coffee shops, they're starting not to put outlets in because they don't want people sitting there all day long. Like they order oh, one yeah. coffee and sit there for hours. You know, and they're like, you're taking up space, especially if they're popular. Well, they're, they're, it's, they've made it their workspace. Right, exactly. So that's, I think, but the co-working spaces are kind of, you know, take, uh, taking that idea and yeah. saying, look, you this just pay a welcome. monthly fee. And, and you're gonna be, if you're paying for an office, might as well do it. Anyway, I went to this one that I, I can never afford to, to ha- go there, but they had an open house and a happy hour. So I went and got free beer and chatted with the locals. But there was a guy there that was saying... Um, so does your company pay for it? Like rent a spot? Usually it's people that, that are that are entrepreneurs. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's people that kind yeah, of run their own company or yeah. you know, do tech. Um, but I met this guy. I don't know what he did. I think he does investments or something. Anyway, he was telling me that he goes to this this um, Methodist church down the street. And of course, I think, I think June 1 is the date that every Methodist parish in the U.S. has to decide whether they're going to remain in Methodist communion or not. Oh, I think it's June right. 1 okay, because it's a gay marriage up. issue. That's right. I remember Methodists that. decided, yeah, we are going to stand by and, and, and not agree with and not allow for gay marriage in our parishes. And I think they're going to lose over half their parishes, you know. But I, th- I think June 1 is the yeah, date. It's, It'll a be big, to it's going to be a big thing, yeah. So anyway, I met this guy, and, he's, and he's, he was talking about he goes to Methodist parish in the neighborhood, and he was saying all these things that they're trying to do to keep people, to get new people. You know, all of our churches are doing these sure, things. Yeah. But I kind of blew his mind because he was like talking about how they're trying to make like church times easier and trying to make the faith easier to live. And I was like, well, you can also try the opposite and it works sometimes. And that's our faith is the most important thing in our life. And sometimes if you make living the faith as hard as it should be, you will draw people that way. Rather than making it easy, make it hard, make it difficult, make 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 it so that it has to be the most important part of your day. If you have to go to Mass that day, that is what you kind of you know put everything yeah, else around. Everything revolves around Everything that. revolves around the Mass of the day, and it should. I mean, that's the participation in Christ's death and resurrection. That's our salvation happening right in front of us. But it, it just, it's, people are trying to like, oh, I need to get out of the way so I can live my real life. I need to get out of the way so I can go about my day. And it's like, oh my gosh, we, we've, we just do not see the importance of, of what this is. And I think that's why the church does have to make days of obligation in a sense because we're we we are we are that immature in the faith that I mean and I do this too as a priest. Well, we can take it for granted. Yeah. yeah. Sure, I mean, I how, how yeah. often do we as companions say, you know, we're going to, at least the Roman Catholic ones, we're going to celebrate mass every day and how often does this that not happen and we're kind of like why, why when I was a seminarian I never would have thought I would neglect something that important. But you get I'm a priest now 14 years as of Saturday, you know. It's yeah. like yeah, it happens. No, the rules, yeah, rule is like a you if you have an unruly life then you kind of just fall back on moods. Yeah. Am I in the mood? Am I not in the mood? You know, and that's like, that just doesn't cut it, you know? Like, we want to commit. That's love. You yeah. want to say, okay, I'm going to dedicate my time and my life to this. Then I need to have some sort of stability. You see that with, like, athletes, mm-hmm. you know? Discipline. They, they just train. They train. Yeah. So you don't, you don't train when you feel like it. You have rules, and yeah. you have a, like a plan. And yeah. So I don't know. I don't know why. How did we get on this thing about rules? Oh, it's the ascension. <laughs> days of, oh, yeah, you're all right. What day is the ascension? Yeah, yeah. we kind of skipped the skipped the banter and just have been talking about ascension. Holy banter! Why? Why is it Thursday? Forty days. Is it? 
So Wednesday, tomorrow is the 40th that day of Pascha. Okay. So then you I should not be asking. <laughs> my, my director would be very upset with me. This is the beginning of Acts of the Apostles. Right. <laughs> That's like, true. I'm You're an, an Acts guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm asking you why it's Thursday. Oh, boy. Well, it's because I'm tired, okay? Yeah, it's late. I'm drinking some sleepy time tea. It's almost 10.30. And um, it's good to see you, though, man. Yeah, you It's too. great it's to be back long. and doing, like, summertime, getting ready for summertime. Yeah. I mean, th- with the weather's changing, people are out playing volleyball in the parks. Yes. I've started gardening. <laughs> and... Uh, why, why, why are you no, laughing? No, I'm laughing because you and I'm I really are like, excited about it. you and I are doing the hipster thing in different ways. So you're taking up gardening and oh, I'm trying true. to take the light rail more often now instead of driving. Why is it hipster though? Is it like, cause it's an old people? Yeah. It's just retro. Craft. Yeah. It'd be like doing like knitting or something. Yeah. And it's, it's like overthinking, like, am I really going to save the world and climate change by taking the light rail in me. Oh, one, is that why you're I, doing it? That's one of the reasons. I feel like that too. Yeah. I started like composting yeah. and I'm real proud of it. Yeah. I'm all about that stuff, but it's like, you know, I'm also, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm, a, I'm taking a stand for something, but I'm also overthinking it because, yeah, well, you know, the, the, the issue okay. with climate start change somewhere. is in du- industries and the first world countries and, and these massive industries. So I'm like, okay, it's a start, but. Well, there is something that everybody is contributing to it, you know? Yeah, yeah you can't feel guilty. It's not like walk right. around feeling like, oh, I wish I wasn't alive because I'm breathing right. or whatever. No. I'm going to keep I'm on eating meat I'm, and drinking I'm real milk. happy that we're environment, environmentalists yeah. today. Yeah, huh? absolutely. High five. High five. Across the table. Oh. There. <laughs> Sorry, I groan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're getting But old. I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh, high five. Like, it's, it's not even that long of a table. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> what? Okay, so we're we're environmentalists this summer, <laughs> and we're taking care of the environment. You know what? Yep. I had this thought. I'm going to throw this out there, and I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast or if I was just thinking it to myself. But I'm an inventor, you know. Yes. And um, I had the thought that everyone to save energy, we, everyone should have a like um, a generator device in their home and should have to wind it for 10 minutes every day <laughs> in order to make their electricity yeah for their home Heck right yeah and then it's not burning the coal or burning that like the nuclear power plant it's human energy yeah. and it's a good exercise absolutely what do you think yeah what was the or, uh, or else like you, you you put your nordic track like attach it to it so that when you're right. doing your regular exercise routine, you're powering your house. Even better. Or That's like a, a great idea. Or or wheels that you have to run in. What was that? What was that <laughs> like Netflix show? Oh, uh, Unbreakable Kimmy oh, so, Schmidt. Yeah. Did you ever oh, see that no. show? <laughs> Not that one. Someone was telling me there is a show where people run on treadmills to oh. power their stuff. Or this whatever. was a comedy, and they had to crank like. The there was a cult that the this guy kidnapped this three is a women. Comedy? It's a comedy. This is, does not sound funny to me. <laughs> he kidnapped three women in like the early nineties, and then told them that the world had ended, so kept them in a bunker. Yeah, this and, sounds awful. <laughs> this is a horror comedy. As I'm saying it, it sounds awful. But there was this crank, and they had to keep on cranking it. I think to, 
I, he lied to them and said it was keeping something alive or whatever. I forget what it was now, but it was really like kind of keeping the energy going for his party room that he never let them in. So he had like this massive room where he was enjoying life, and these three poor women were living like slaves. And this it was is a comedy. A comedy? <laughs> she gets out like uh, ten years sound, after going uh, in. There was something like that in Lost. You remember I watched Lost? Oh, yes, I never. And watched there was something that. like you, they had to do this ritual something, or else the world was going to end or yeah. something. And they kept doing it and doing like it, but they're asking move. like, "Why are we doing this? Should we keep doing it? What if we stopped all this stuff?" Anyway, that's a that's a messed up comedy. Yeah, I don't think. Well, it actually was really funny. The theme song in the beginning made me laugh every time, and I don't right now. I don't remember why, but it was something about the theme song in the beginning of the show that I would just like smile. I was sitting alone in my house eating lunch and watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but just thinking. Like, oh my gosh. It's, um, what's her name? Wrote it. Uh, Are you recommending this? No, I can't recommend it. I don't remember every scene. No? There might be something bad in it. But, I might check it out. I don't know. But just, oh, just it watch sounds the weird, first. though. The premise, you, you did not sell me on this one. <laughs> For comedy. Wait, who's the. I mean, I oh like comedy. Who's, who's the writer? Uh, Woman, Saturday Night Live. Um, Amy Poehler. No, the other one. Tina Fey. Yes, Tina Fey. She, oh, she yeah? wrote it, so it's hilarious, yeah. What did she... She did 30 Rock. She did 30 Rock, yep. I think she's got some other stuff, too. Anyway. She's funny. Um, I like funny. I like Tina Fey. Yeah. She did Mean Girls. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't remember what else. Maybe... What's, what's that one? Bridezilla? Bridesmaids. She did some movie about, like, a, a journalist going to Saudi Arabia... A female journalist. She played a female journalist. Go to Saudi Arabia, and uh, and it, I only saw the previews, but I laughed every time because it showed this like okay, she's interviewing this woman and saying this is the first time a woman, a Saudi woman, is driving, and the woman puts it in reverse instead of forward and just goes oh. backing right into this car, like right on live news. And oh. I was like, that is a hilarious concept. I I remember that trailer. I don't think I saw the film. Me neither. Oh, well, that's kind of a a good like entree into my topic. <laughs> I yeah, have I'm gonna no talk idea about, what your topic is. I'm going to so. talk about Egypt. <laughs> All right. And I had recently been to Egypt, um, and it was a Muslim country with burqas and stuff. Yeah. Um, that, I wasn't going to insult women drivers, I guess, <laughs> but... Um, I didn't hadn't planned that. Um, it was Egypt is not like as conservative a Muslim country oh, as okay. some of the others. Right. I mean, it's pretty religious. I thought, and my sense is that there's a lot of practice of of Islam, oh. and then there's like fifteen percent of Christians, Christians, oh. Coptic Christians, yep. and it turns out to be a lot. There's a lot of churches around. You see them, a lot of mosques. So there was practice of religion, but I think it's considered one of the more kind of left or progressive. Okay. I I hate using progressive for liberal. Yeah. I don't even like using liberal for liberal. (laughs) Because we all Liberal means free. Right. And progressive means making progress. (laughs) Oh. Oh. I need better terms. Thanks for the jelly beans. Sure. Um. I don't know who gave us these, but they've been. Well, down I'm going to lose my for train of thought. <laughs> um, 
Um, what was I going to do? I was going to mention, this is kind of backtracking. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah. Yesterday was Memorial Day. Yes, it was. So I wanted to shout out and thank all of the military listeners, and thank you for your service to the country. Amen. And to the cause of peace. I prayed for checking. peace around the world. I don't want to embarrass you, but do you know, do you know what we do on Memorial Day, what we're commemorating? Why? <laughs> Just because people get this wrong all the time. Um, independence. <laughs> well, no, what, what's what's the difference between Memorial Day Hold and on. Veterans Day? Hold on. I don't mean to embarrass you, but this is... Oh, I don't know. Like, everybody makes this mistake. I would say it's going to be the end of one of the wars. Veterans Day just seems like you know general. What? Yeah, that is... I don't even know. It is. So Memorial Day, I think, used to be what? Armistice Day. Either that or Veterans Day used to That's be Armistice Day. World now War we're one. both embarrassing each, ourselves right now. Yeah, wait a minute. Why'd you, why'd you, you <laughs> set yourself up? Well, yeah, I know. Veterans Day, is for, Veterans Day is for living veterans. Memorial Day is for deceased veterans. So you, so, I, so I've heard you, you're not really supposed to thank a veteran for a service on Memorial Day. Oh. You, you, you thank them on Veterans Day. Memorial Day, you're, you're remembering the, the okay. deceased veterans. But, I, but as far as the history of my, those two I, holidays. I thanked my dad. I need to look it up. For his service. He was in Vietnam. Yeah, so was my dad. Yeah, I, I, I think that's okay to do for those that we know and love, but like posting things on Facebook will just get us embarrassed. Okay. Anyway, I'll stop. Lesson yes. learned. Yeah. I didn't, well, I, I didn't make <laughs> that mistake at least. The only reason I know is because I ran the Boulder Boulder a while ago, and I think I actually had to intentionally say, what am I going to write? Because they, they give you the bibs, and you can write write names on the bibs like of who oh, you're yeah. running for. And I was like, okay, it's so Memorial Day. I need to remember I only write the names of my deceased military relatives, not my living veteran relatives like my dad. Okay. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I, I think it's just good to have these times to honor people absolutely, absolutely. and then to be stay mindful of war and how mm-hmm. hard it is and like bad it is yeah. and um and some of the like heroism and virtue that is drawn out of people yeah. in these situations and how the good and the bad of war have i mean I, there's obviously very little good but i mean the, the brotherhood i mean that the, the, the war is incredibly bonding and i the, the the veterans I know, you know, they have trouble getting back in a normal life because they don't have the same community. Yeah, you know, and I see that. But um, there's a lot of the a lot of the homeless population yeah. are veterans too. Yeah, because of the psychological and, damage. Yeah, I imagine. PTSD stuff heavy. This world just doesn't seem real or normal. I've heard after you come back from war, you know, it, it it's just so intense. Yeah, it's so intense over there. It's just normal life just doesn't. You don't really fit in a normal life anymore. Sometimes, wow. of course, there's a bunch of different issues that make people be homeless, especially veterans. But anyway. Yeah. Well, yes, interesting. Yes. Anyway, we're honoring everybody. And I was going to recommend, because a friend of mine, Greg Skelton, what up, Greg, and Tiffany, and Marky Mark, and Savannah. I baptized Savannah a little while back. Nice. Uh, you're cool, Savannah. Uh, thanks for showing me how to ride that hoverboard thing that I almost died <laughs> for, <laughs> you know, trying to learn. Nice. Uh, but she was killing it. She's young. Anyway, um, her dad, her, like, her dad and his brothers are all on the same army team. Mm-hmm. And when they were deployed and they were in Af- Afghanistan, they would always pray. He told me every night they prayed Psalm 91. Mm. And that they had 
uh, just like kind of miraculous protection around them. And they could see that. And then everybody could see that. And all these people who were not even Catholic or not even Christians or not religious at all were joining them to, to pray the Psalm 91 every night. Nice. Like everybody in the, in the team. And so that was, it was cool. And it was, it was like bonding across different countries yeah. who were um, all fighting together, you know? Yeah. It was beautiful. So anyway, check that out, yeah. Psalm 91. That's a gift to all the yeah. veterans. But yeah. Do you guys have a, a blessing for men going off to war? I'm guessing you do, huh? Yeah, I think we do. Okay. I haven't, I just, I haven't given I've used it that twice in, in like a long the past time. Two months. Oh, really? Yeah, just parishioners or, or friends of the parish that are going off to war, going off to battle. That's good, it's though. A beautiful blessing. It's nice yeah. that they have that blessing. Yeah, amen. We should, yeah. And we pray for, we prayed for the, the military um, quite a bit out there in the northwest co- uh, corner of the state. Because they were little towns and nice. kind of rural America, and a lot of the kids had joined the military out of high school, and yeah, so nice. it was like praying for our our own kids, you know. Yeah, praying for everybody. Well, nice. now I think I I got to talk about Egypt a little. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you slipped like, away. I'm not sure. Transition back in. Like I guess we don't have to. It's just good to catch up. And yeah, see no. You, we, you know? I'd say do it. Go for but, it. But uh, and I'm enjoying these. Jelly beans in my sleepy time. I remember who gave them to us? Shout out to Perla Hoskins from my parish. What's up, Perla? Perla? Yep, Perla. That's a cool name. It is a cool name. All right. So I've recently been in. This is rude. Hold on. <laughs> I hear it. These, <laughs> these headphones are kind of echoey. Okay. So I recently went to Egypt to have a um, retreat, an eight day silent retreat with the Missionaries of Charity nice. there in Alexandria, Egypt, the famous harbor city where the lighthouse was and the uh, um, library was yep. of Alexandria. One of the first five St. Clement well. of Alexandria, mm-hmm. St. Uh, oh, well, I think St. Anthony was nearby, but he ended Anthony up in a, desert, yeah. a monastery in, in like somewhere else. Maybe he came from... I don't remember. Um, but they had a famous catechetical school there in Alexandria. Origin is out of there. Uh, all kinds of great stuff. And it was beautiful. It was really fun to be there and to see the strength of the faith and the, of these Coptic Christians and just to be involved in that. Yeah. Um, I went to a liturgy, and one of my favorite things was that at the end, they blessed the people by throwing the water over their shoulders backward oh. <laughs> from the sanctuary. Huh. And people kind of like gather around huh. and then he just does. And uh, it's, it was explained to me as something about dismissing the angel that was invited to bring the sacrifice to, to the altar in heaven. Huh. We have that prayer in our Roman canon too. Like um, may the angel of God bear the gifts up to the altar in heaven. But we don't have the sense of like, we should dismiss them. Right. You know, let them go. Send them forth. Yeah, send them, get them out of there. Yeah. So (laughs) it was, I I didn't quite understand that thing, but I thought it was interesting anyway. And a lot of fun, the the kind of like throwing the water backward. Uh, They were very kind, very inviting. Every monastery that I went to and visited was, uh, I was 
warmly welcomed and shown lots of hospitality and favors. People were showing me. They brought me to the relics of St. Mark, although people are telling me that's in Venice. So <laughs> maybe it's the Sometimes tomb. Sometimes they break them up. Yeah. They bring an arm. I don't know exactly what it is, but it was very old. It okay. was like, yeah, from um, Roman times or whatever. And saw that, saw all kinds of places where the Holy Family were reported to have okay. stopped and yep. been, including their their house, which is in this little area called the Seven Churches. And there's each of these seven churches that are kind of built around each other mm. have some sort of significance related to the Holy Family. Ah, okay. But in the basement of one of them, there's this little kind of house-like and a well where... They said this is the home where the Holy Families okay. stayed there in um, Cairo. So that was fun to be there and to pray there. It was just like a very unique kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And it really did feel like I had lived in Jerusalem for a while and we traveled, you know, we went on yeah. pilgrimage there. And it kind of it, it felt like that. Yeah. It had that feel of like the sacred because of the presence of the of the Savior and of his family. It's a relic. Beautiful. It was cool. And the, there's water still flowing with the well. So it's, there's something like you can touch that time. You know? Yeah. feels like that. Yeah. I love that stuff. Um, so that was a really cool, a really cool place to be. And it kind of got me like thinking and, and wondering about like, what's the story with the flight into Egypt? You know? I don't really think about that a whole lot. I like the art. It became this real famous motif in Christian art. Oh, yeah. Especially the rest on the flight. Right. And there's some apocryphal stories. I was reading the, reading about this, that you have just a mention in Matthew's gospel, right? That King Herod is trying to kill the... The king to come, you know. Yeah. The, he he. The the magi tell him that he's going to, uh, that the savior is being born and he's going to be king, and the king doesn't like it, right? So he's going to kill him. Well, um, so they fly to Egypt, and then the scripture doesn't really tell us a whole lot about kind of what happens or they were there. What, yeah. you know, how long was it? What were they doing? All that kind of stuff, you know. And so I didn't know, but in Egypt, they have all of these different sites that they say, okay, the Holy Family were in, there's got to be at least 20 different churches or monasteries. Now, some of it is kind of like the legends, you know, there's this, a sycamore in one place and the monastery is built around the sycamore. Hmm. And this was the tree that, um, that miraculously, um, fed the Holy Family and, and gave them still, shade. Still living, and yeah, okay, <laughs> and it's still living. You know, so this kind of stuff yeah. everywhere. You know, like here's where Saint Joseph um, sweat a drop of okay. sweat, and then <laughs> this pond showed up or something. Okay, so <laughs> it's kind of fun. I mean, I like that stuff, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to just to think, well, what was Jesus doing, and what was that world like? Yeah. Um, there's some traditions that Jesus, well, King Herod dies in, um, in the year four, all right? So 
maybe the Holy Family were there for the first few years, right? Um, there's also the next, like the successor of Herod was this guy Archelaus, yeah. and he was a terror. He was awful. And so there's a tradition that he, they waited him out, right. or that they ended up in the Galilee, north of Jerusalem, rather than living in like Bethlehem or right. that kind of region. Um, That's why Jesus grew up in Nazareth, rather than right? There. Because this kind of tyrant was yeah. um, just a lot of people had moved from Judea yeah. up to the Galilee during that time, and there's some evidence of that. But Josephus, the historian, talks about mm. that guy. So we don't know like how long they were in Egypt, and it's very hard to verify or deny any of these sort of. Sure sites or kind of stories and things. But there is, in some different apocryphal works, that's like, um, it's like fan fiction. It's like adding to the stories. Kind of came later, yeah. Yeah, and we it became very unpopular after, especially after the Council of Trent. It's like, well, don't be adding to our right. sort of tradition of what happened. Right. It's just kind of... Stick with what when we the got. Protestants criticize that. We're like, well, they kind of have a point about a few things. <laughs> yeah, we, but there's a long tradition of just kind of expanding and using using the imagination to say, well, what could it have been like? Or yeah. so we don't take these as like you know absolutes. But there's stories of the the little Jesus um, fighting dragons okay. in the desert. Um, there's a miraculous this palm tree that um, fruits and gives dates to the Holy okay. Family when they nice. show up, and then it, it kind of like springs water for them. There's, um, I was looking at this, I got this little list here. Palm trees bowing down before the infant Jesus, Jesus taming dragons, the beasts of the desert paying him homage, and an encounter with the two thieves who would later be crucified alongside Jesus. Hmm. Wow. There's also like the um, angel takes John the Baptist and flies him over to Egypt huh. to stay with the Holy Family <laughs> to save him from yeah. being killed as huh. an infant. Like, I think this could just come from like a deduction, right? Right. Like, well, how did he survive that? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. but a lot of the, the art of Jesus and John the Baptist playing or whatever, these kids together, um, takes place in Egypt or is kind of thought to be over there. Hmm. And I didn't even know that, but I, I realized, yeah, that's, I guess that's the case. Generally with these things, I, I tend to think that it's, if you had to ask, you know, historically did it happen, just as Father Michael, a human being, I'd probably say no. I mean, but oh, yeah. that does not mean that there's not grace when, when kind of those, if you visit those sites on a pilgrimage and, you know, with, with, with a certain amount of faith, say our Lord, you know, did go to Egypt and, you know, so there, there's some sort of grace here. The, those stories coming from people. I mean, we, nowadays we can travel so much. I mean, like you and I were able to go what, you know, 12 years ago or so we're able to go to the Jerusalem, you know, see all those sites. You and I have also been to all over Egypt together, all, all over Italy together, you know, and, and mm-hmm. down to see the tombs of, of Matthew and Andrew down at Positano, you know, 
it's like most people were never able to go to so many different places as we do now. So you can imagine, kind of, this is what St. Francis did with with um, uh, Stations of the Cross and with with the Bethlehem Crash. Most people didn't travel that much. So you say, okay, the people that grew up in Cairo, the people that grew up in Alexandria, you kind of bring that was a huge deal that the Lord came to their area. You know, and so you, you're building up oh, a yeah. whole life of faith and pilgrimage sites around that fact. And again, this part of it might be just to get, get tourists to get money, but part of it also is, is for the people that grew up there to say, we need to honor the fact that, that Jesus, as a human being, came to our country to provide pilgrimage sites. And I, I think our Lord graces all of that. You know, even though it's not absolutely completely true, yeah. our, our Lord pours out his grace where he wills. And I, I think that if we approach those things with faith and, and with true, you know, pilgrimage identity, and I just think, yeah, I, I bet you gained a lot of grace and grew closer to our Lord through, you know, visiting those sites just, what, a month ago. Yeah. I loved it. I, and I think I would love to bring pilgrim groups to Egypt. I think it's it was a very powerful place for me. Yeah. Now, I was praying with the sisters for eight days, right. and the missionaries of charity are amazing. Yep. Just like I've, I've never met anyone who loves Jesus as yeah. much as they do. I believe And ju- just live for him and serve and love people and are happy and very simple. And they take care of like the tuberculosis patients and all of the people who are just totally unwanted and yeah. abandoned. And they're not easy people to be around. Yeah. Like not, the, the missionaries are. Right, and usually most, most of the, the time. people they serve, <laughs> they don't start as um, easy people to be around. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they, they they just kind of pick up the spirit though, yeah, and are very peaceful and very happy. And so it was just incredibly beautiful to be with the sisters, and that was definitely the highlight. You know, I went to the pyramids. I saw that. That was okay. cool. And uh, there's a grandeur to that whole thing. Went to a museum and saw some of the. St- Statues. I, I am fascinated by old Egypt, you know. Yeah, it's so but ancient, yeah. It's really the the life of the Christians there that impressed me the most, hmm. and I really loved it. It was like we went to this monastery for St. Bishoy, hmm. and there are like 250 monks there, wow. and they just don't go anywhere. Wow. They had... Like an apartment complex, yeah, right. With all these different, it was like a beehive, you know. Wow. Like, and I felt like I was in ancient times mm-hmm. or something. And they're totally cool, you yeah. know. You you running into these guys, and they just say, "Hey, bless you," and you want wow. a tour or some coffee or something. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so it was just pretty impressive to me. I like I liked it a lot, yeah. and I think people could benefit from it in a very powerful way. Now it's a little wild, like there's no lines on the streets and mm. you got four cars driving in two lane, you know, or two car lane, two cars road. Um, it's kind of a free for all mm-hmm. and not super developed, but I think that's even good to see too, you know? Yeah, so it's still our world. But it's kind of dangerous. Yeah. That's the only- Hire a local. That's the problem. Yeah. And the people there would be upset if they heard me saying that. Oh. My friend Boutros, he was like, no, nah, there's nothing dangerous here. Okay. Well, <laughs> eh. Comparatively, yes. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I felt like I could bring, I could bring pilgrim group. Nice. I'd like to make sure it was people who were kind of like 
uh, independent right. and not af- going to be afraid. Right. Not old people or really like kids. Yeah. But um, also can kind of take care of themselves so that, you know, you don't have people a getting, couple, if you get lost in ruin Europe, a pilgrimage. And you'll be fine, whatever. Yeah. But then yeah. don't really want to do that. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see if that something comes of that. I really loved this developing devotion to the, to the Holy Family. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved the infant Jesus. And I'm curious about his childhood. But the only sources that we have are the, these kind of extra things mm. that are non-canonical. And I think, in large part, very legendary. You know? right. uh, some, some very skeptical um, historians would say that Matthew's reference to Jesus going into Egypt, it was just a theological kind of elaboration or something. It was mm. like, there's a prophecy in Hosea that says, out of Egypt I have called my son. Right. And it's a really about Israel and about the Exodus right. experience. But now Matthew is saying, well, I guess I have to put Jesus over there mm. in order to fulfill every prophecy or something like that. Right. But I don't, I don't know. I think, I tend to think like, unless there's positive proof against it, then truth is stranger than fiction. Man. Right. And it really was a beautiful, a kind of a beautiful life of lots of fulfillment of all kinds of things. And I, I think it's an impressive way for Jesus also to kind of create or sort of live with solidarity with his people, this deep solidarity with his, pe- his Jewish people and his Jewish roots. It's like he's reliving their story mm-hmm. in a very um, tangible way, you know, like an experiential way, going to the, to the place of their slavery and yeah. then coming back and entering the promised land. And I think it's just a, 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 the kind of like mysterious time that has a lot of potential for mm-hmm. prayer and imagination, meditation. So I, I know my old spiritual director... Father Goronsky, he would always recommend that on retreat you pray the meditation, a meditation on the hidden life of Jesus in Nazareth. Mm. And there's no mention of it in the scripture. So it's really something you have to kind of imagine and uh, ask the Lord to sort of reveal to you. And it's a, it can be a very profound prayer. But uh, even just the thought is really fun for me. I like it a lot. Yeah. I think I think one of the points is that it is hidden. One one of the uh, you know, I think it's intentional that God had Matthew and Luke kind of mention the infancy but then have this big space, you know. And because I think there's something beautiful about the fact that it was hidden and that whether God wants to reveal it to certain people in a, in a personal relationship, their personal revelation with them or whether there's something just very beautiful about the incarnate word God himself having a very intentional teaching ministry and then of course a very public execution and resurrection but something that was just the the human hidden life that prepared him for that I'm sure there's something about the number 32 I mean all all this all this uh, this stuff comes together but I you know I I think whether it was Ignatius or just Father Gronsky or someone that tapped into 
that and said, you know, it's almost like what is the beginning of Star Trek? Um, the uh, well, like the one, the one unexplored area. I'm, I'm not a big Star Trek. I fan. I know I, I know what you're talking I, about. I'm trying to remember. People, people are yelling, but at all me. I can remember is um, Buzz Lightyear <laughs> to infinity and <laughs> to beyond. beyond. But like, Star Trek, like like the oh, space, the final frontier, the, final, like, frontier. the final frontier. It's like so. There's this okay. Ah. So so people can study the Bible their whole life, but the first 30 years of Jesus's life are kind of the final frontier. There's something unknown about it mm. that that that. God, maybe God can reveal it to us, but it's also a time of preparation. We don't need to know it because everything, you know, the gospel is complete in what we need to know. But, but there's just something kind of beautiful about that. Okay, I Jesus is a hidden life. I need a hidden life. Um, you know, you don't need to share everything with everybody, fasting, etc. Um, but you know, whether it's a, a point of meditation or just to say, yeah, he was. He was hidden, and there's something beautiful about being hidden. That's why I, I love what I've said before on the podcast, when Jesus, with the woman caught in adultery, he writes something in the sand. And people are like, oh, he was writing the sins of the Pharisees or whatever. I'm like, I think something beautiful that it doesn't say what it is. You know, th- yeah. th- there's a point to the mystery of it that, that is important for our salvation. Ambiguity. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and that's part of reading the scriptures and saying, yeah, we, every question isn't answered. Even something as simple as Jesus wrote something in the sand, we don't know what it is. Yeah, keep it a mystery. You know that that that's part yeah. of a life of faith and our reading the scriptures. Yeah, and that, there's something about I, there's like artistic traditions that you could work with. Like Jesus was helping Joseph with his work. Yeah, or Jesus was hanging yeah, out jet skiing on the <laughs> Sea of Galilee or something. You know, exactly. Uh, it was pretty chill. Like I'd be fishing and walking around too, but. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. It's, we know Jesus was uh, around at 12 years old at the temple right. and that his family was making the regular pilgrim fees um, to, or like the pilgrimages to Jerusalem. So they were probably back for a little while by the time he was 12. Yeah. At least it sounds like that was pretty routine, at least. That might have been just the one one story that Jesus shared with his apostles <laughs> from his childhood. So yeah, like, hey, tell us about when you were oh, a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this happened. I had a yeah. pretty cool moment in the temple. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder about that sometimes. Like, how did he communicate that stuff? Of course they wanted to know about his yeah. childhood, wouldn't they ask? You'd think so. Maybe he says, I don't, don't include this in the writings, or whether they just... Whether he was talking so much about the kingdom all the time that they didn't, they really never got that personal. Well, there was like a, a mission that certainly marked when Jesus right. is thirty. Yeah. He starts this mission. He's baptized. He's tempted. He teaches. It's he like what he's there for. Yeah. So to tell his backstory about the infancy and everything helps to kind of like give context to the to the ministry. But yeah. it seems like the Gospels are most interested in his sort of miracle itinerary his mission and then his death and resurrection and it's something we'll learn if we're if and when we get to heaven too i'll ask him someone we've loved for so long like our lord and yet we know so little of his his background would be a do you think you get to like in in heaven do you get to like see your own self can you see scenes from the past or something i think so because it will be outside of space and time i believe so kind of all, I mean, we won't, we won't like travel through time. We'll actually yeah, be outside but, of it and see it all as, as see it all completely without having to go back and forth. But it, I'm me. Yeah. So how am I going to like look at myself? 
because I, th- I think I believe that time is created by God, and so there's so that oh, was once we're outside of it, we're outside of it. So so it just the the rules of time and space won't won't be the same as the rules of time and space are here on Earth. Well, that's true. Yeah. So there's just the, but but, but I we think, have to. He, there is a new creation. Yeah. Because we can't. I don't think we can exist without time and space. I oh I I don't either. But like the resurrected body of Christ walked through a door. Yeah. So it's going to be that our yeah. body's going to be like Christ. We that can walk through doors, but it's still like you can still like touch his wounds. Like it's by different rules. Yeah. You can still <laughs> touch his wounds, but those wounds that you can touch can go through a door. All right. You know, well, this, I was it doesn't make any rational sense, but yeah. And of course God could just give you knowledge of yeah. something that happened yeah. and like tell you or whatever, show exactly. you or something. Yeah. Reveal it somehow. Yeah. Like but I don't know. I'm kind of on this like brainstorm thing about trying to correct my own sort of tendency that I find like a pet peeve when people talk about how heaven is whatever they want. Oh yeah. And I, I know I do the same, but it's like, no, that's not, that's not it. This is kind of like a a womb, this side where we're going to be like born into a new Mm -hmm. thing. And it's not, it's like this life in that it's not whatever we come up with and what we want for the future. It's just some objective reality outside of ourselves that we're going to enter. Yeah. Right? So it's like, I don't get to, heaven isn't just whatever I want it to be. Right. Not at all. It's, I, it's something I'm going to yeah. discover. I think it's, it's Jesus. And yeah. that's what I truly want. I mean that that's what that's what fulfills every single one of my desires. You know, we we've been waiting and hesitating to do a podcast on do pets go to heaven. Uh-oh, which means we're getting close to an hour, so. Oh no. <laughs> uh, we just started we're, we're, right we're after not the we're moon. not at an hour yet, but we're we're getting oh, close. So anyway, we we should stop. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever do a podcast on this do, is fun, do pets go to this heaven is kind because of a rambly. It's be so This is kind of a rambly. <laughs> People I'm are sorry. Disagree. That's me. I'm com- I'm fresh back. No, no, I know. We, we, we haven't I'm kind of reminiscing. I'm excited. I well, miss the sisters. I miss Egypt. We might I, it was skip shout-outs, though. Delightful. I just have one announcement. Do you have a shout-out? Wait, you can I do, do one shout-out? Oh, yeah. Sure. I'm going to do one as well. Yeah. Oh, well, just to the... I did a wedding in Italy. Okay. Uh, my old friend Jason Ferris married this top-notch girl, nice. Michelle Bardino. And uh, congratulations to you too. It was a wonderful time, and I'm very grateful. And then um, a couple of listeners. Sasha is a probably my favorite Buddhist listener. Nice. No offense to the other Buddhist <laughs> listeners, <laughs> but uh, she was cool. Dan Doherty is uh, he was like a Dominican seminarian, but a longtime friend of Jason's and um, I think he listens he lives in Australia now super cool guy good Catholic you know love that guy and then uh, Tony and Maria who live in Denver but um, I don't even know if they listen but shout out because we were cool and we had a great meal together and some great conversations cool well mine um, just an announcement uh, 
Sister Natalia, who I talk about all the time, will be Mother Natalia on oh, May. 10, did I see her at the ordination? Yep, she was there. Oh, yep, cool! There. What's so up, girl? So, in the Byzantine Church, you when once you take your um, final profession, uh, they call you mother. So your your title changes to mother. So all all, all women who are who are um, fully professed in the Byzantine Our Church mother. are called mother. So she'll be Mother Natalia then. And uh, obviously this is That's so vows. funny. That's like... My profession. Yeah, so... It's, it's like when people started calling me father. Yeah. And then you don't think of it after a while. Right. But it is weird. Thing. Yeah. Especially when it's like... I don't know. When you're younger than them. Right. And they're calling you father. Yep. And it, that's how it feels like with her. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to call her your mother? Yeah. She's just a little baby. Yeah. But I love it because it, it shows... It shows that there are fathers and mothers in the church, just like oh, yeah. there are in the family. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. so I, I love, I love calling, uh, calling. The we usually call the superior of right a uh, group of nuns. The, the nuns we call sister, and then the head of their group yeah, is yeah. mother. But I don't. It's not an absolute. Yeah, there are some religious orders uh, that I know. I think the Dominicans and the Sisters of Life. I don't think they call them. Well, no, no, no. The, I don't think the Dominicans call them mother, do they? Or do they just have one for the... Anyway, I don't know. I'll, I'll double-check on these things before okay. I start throwing out stuff. But anyway. Well, congratulations. That's great. Yes, we love you. I'm so proud of you, Sister Natalia. I don't know if she listens to everyone. But anyway, uh, I'm incredibly proud of her vocation for my parish, my spiritual daughter for years, making an incredible commitment and giving her entire life to God for the rest of her life. Just blows my mind. You do? We, we do that, but we do it a different way. It's much more intense for her, so... Anyway, love you, sister. Um, and uh, yeah, congratulations. May 10th, 2020, Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day, too. Which oh, is, that's they great. Didn't plan it that and, way. But that's just. Yeah, it just oh, happened that way. Yeah. Cool. Which is awesome. And I remember her and should thank her for a little hymn that they sang. I can't remember what it was. You remember we were at that apartment, and then she and her other friend, oh, another yeah, Mother sister. Gabriella, yeah. Mother Gabriella. Yeah. Yeah. And they sang some little chant, some. Ruthenian thing or something. It was, but yeah, we but it was delightful. Yeah. Well, both voices. Yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> well, good on you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, all. God bless you. Okay. Good bl- God bless you. Um, may the little infant Jesus uh, resting in the desert, praying for you, uh, bless you abundantly as we enter into summertime.